There is no perfect pregnancy, birth, or parent. And yet we rarely hear the real stories. It's time we speak up. Mom, actress, and advocate Tatiana Ali hosts Unspoken Stories, a new podcast from March of Dimes featuring real stories from the joys of parenthood to what happens when things don't go according to plan. You can listen to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting unspokenstories.org. We see a lot of perfect images of pregnancy, birth, and parenting, but more and more people are standing up to tell their real stories. In this podcast, you will hear some of those real stories. From the joy of parenting and the complexities of dealing with illness with Atrix and mom, Jamie Lynn Sigler, a mom coping with loss and raising two toddlers, to the realities of parenting a baby born prematurely. These brave mom and dads have the courage to speak up and share their laughter, tears, and triumphs so that no one else has to feel alone in their experience. We hope you will join this important conversation. Whether you are a parent or considering becoming one, subscribe to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts and learn more by visiting unspokenstories.org. That's unspokenstories.org. Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Briera Lowry. She is the founder of Melanin Mommies, a Philadelphia-based nonprofit and safe space for pregnant, new, and seasoned mothers alike. Lowry started noticing many mothers in her community did not have as many resources and access as other mothers in more affluent areas and decided to make a change. Hello, Briera. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. <laughs> Side note, audience, as you can tell, we have a co-host today. My son is here, so <laughs> welcome. <laughs> All right. Right, exactly. Always, always. <laughs> All right, so of course, we always have our guests start off by telling us a little bit about themselves and their family, so can you go ahead and do that for us? Yes, of course. So my name is Briere Lowry. I am 24 years old. I am a co-parenting mama of a 10-month-old, and his name is Rory Elliott. Um, yeah, just your typical girl. I work as an inbound um, sales agent uh, for Comcast, and I am also, again, a full-time mom. And yeah, it's a big thing. That's the biggest job? <laughs> the biggest <laughs> job and obviously having uh, what we'll be discussing today my nonprofit as well yes yes we are so excited to dive into that so uh, tell us a little bit about your pregnancy cool okay well it was a shocker <laughs> was not prepared for it but the minute I found out I just immediately started doing uh, research about it. I felt, I mean, the minute I found out I was pregnant, I felt instantly like connected um, really to my body. I was just super excited, extremely shocked. I cannot emphasize that enough, but really, really excited just to see what uh, this journey was going to be about. Um, probably research too much, probably WebMD too much because <laughs> I was nervous about a lot of things I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm supposed to be breathing at this amount of time. And I didn't, I think I took too many breaths. I think I got to go to the hospital. I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's like just crazy, the craziest things really. Um, but my pregnancy was very smooth. Um, I had a lot of support. Um, I was just really anxious 
just the entire time because you start researching um, maternal health rates and you kind of just freak yourself out. But overall, the pregnancy in its entirety was, it was great. It was smooth, a little bit of morning sickness, um, but just, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And it's so crazy how easy it is for us to like go down that rabbit hole of I'm going to okay. Google this thing. I'm going to Google that yeah. thing. And, yeah. um, you know, you're trying to get all the information you can, but not necessarily sure like where to compile all of that in your brain and exactly. how to work with it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. where do you find that balance? It's like, you don't want to just go through the whole nine months, just like head in the air. Huh, well, full of cramps. Don't really know right. how to keep the day going. Versus, <laughs> okay, every two seconds, I am calling like my own call doctor and like searching things. It's like it was very difficult for me to find um, that balance, especially in the second trimester, because mm-hmm. for the first trimester, I had morning sickness. Um, I looked a hot mess. I mean, just terrible. That second trimester, you for me, I started to feel like myself again. No more morning yeah. sickness. Um, I looked good. My skin started glowing. And then you don't feel like any kicks yet. So you're like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not sick. Yeah. Like I was just, I really just used like me having morning sickness. I tied that to being pregnant. So once I didn't have that anymore, I couldn't feel the baby move. I'm like, um, yeah. help. <laughs> help. But yeah, at some point I found, I found the balance. It was probably around the time I gave birth, but I found it. Perfect. You found it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it's, I mean, and so many changes are happening and you're trying to figure out like what's, um, how to connect to each of those changes. Yeah. Which is difficult. Yes, it is. When it's the first go round and every pregnancy is different. This is just my first. Um, I'm the oldest of six kids, so I know that every pregnancy is not the same, but I think that once you have that first one, there's certain things like, you know, going forward, like, okay, I don't necessarily need to like immediately freak out because of this. So when it's your first baby, first human growing, (laughs) you're like, um, I don't know how I feel about what just happened. I don't know if I like that movement. Let's see what's going on. Yeah. And I think for many, for many people, especially the first time around, it's one, like the first time around for some people that you really have to be so connected to your body. Yeah. Like we go yeah. through our day-to-day actions of like, my body is doing these things. It, yes. um, of course. But when you're pregnant, yes. it's diff- It's a different type of connection. And then Absolutely. also, I think the first time that like, you're also that out of control, like yeah. you prepare, but like you really have no control God that is so for someone who is such a control freak and that has to like have their hands in every pot that they feel connected to this is the most my baby is the most attached connected being that I've ever felt so to not have any control over that was like it really kind of humbles you in a sense and kind of like slows you down a little bit it gives you a different like perception of life Exactly. So you touched on it a little bit, but um, how did you prepare for birth? And like, was that something that you were really um, thinking about throughout your pregnancy? Yes. So I had an entire birth plan, as I'm sure most uh, moms, especially first time moms have. And so I initially going in, I wanted a doula. I wanted a midwife. I wanted a home birth, water birth. 
And then I don't know what happened. I really freaked out at the last minute. I didn't have anyone in my family nor friends um, that has ever had a doula with a water birth. So I really didn't have um, any personal experiences to go off of. And I just became really nervous. And I started thinking the worst, like, well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And I'm not at a hospital. Um, my research and my knowledge about the doula midwife world and just hearing experiences from women that I'm now close with, I totally would have. Um, I should have just did <laughs> the water birth um, and not the hospital route. Mm-hmm. But that's, that was my original plan. Um, but I just prepared just for, um, you know, the postpartum and just really doing um, extensive research and wrote out a birth plan that I found a template on Pinterest. Just, you know, typical first mom, <laughs> you know, <just> yeah. <laughs> template, filled it out, did not go anything, you know, as plans at all. But I tried to do my best to, you know, really just know the ins and outs of what happens during labor. Um, and yeah, just a lot of, again, a lot of Googling, a lot of Googling. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's important that, you know, um, like, I think the piece that is that, especially we do this, that we try to like emphasize is really knowing those like phases of birth because it can somewhat help, you know, roll you through, um, what, what to expect. And when you're in it, like you might not necessarily, um, be fully aware, but you can kind of like connect to that. Like, okay, I remember that I read this or I remember right. this was discussed. Um, and so, and I mean, something you brought up that mm-hmm. something you brought up that many people forget <laughs> sometimes yeah, is the postpartum planning. Yeah. Yeah. Like really being intentional about what is postpartum going to look like for me. Exactly. And that's what I was wondering the entire the entire time I was super anxious about the actual um, birth and really just going through going through labor and I think a big reason and this is what I I talk to moms now about having um, doulas and water births is when I ask them why would you not want to have a water birth because my whole thing was I was nervous and I doubted what my body could do I didn't think, I don't know, maybe I was strong enough to stay home and labor through those pains, not have any medicine and things of that nature. I didn't think I was prepared for it. And the longer, um, you know, I went throughout the pregnancy, the least confident, like the less confident part of me I felt in myself. So I was like, you know what? No. Hospital it is. And I really wish um, my next child will definitely be um, a home birth, uh, you know, a water birth. But there's, I think there's just certain things that you have to go through um, your first go around. And then it just gives you a way better outlook on, okay, next time. Or if I tell my story to someone who maybe is thinking about going to the hospital or maybe they were thinking about doing a water birth, but, you know, I can be able to share light on my experience and the route that I took. For sure. And I mean, we talk about this a lot with our families who have multiples, you know, your experience evolves as you have children. Like you find, I think, new strength and new power in yourself after each birth. Um, Yeah. So you really do. You really do. Because when I was done, I was like, well, we'll talk about how the birthing and how that was actually done. But when I was done, I was like, you know what, I could have had a home birth. I could have done this 
it was, I mean, there's nothing easy about labor and delivery. Um, it wasn't smooth for me, but, you know, it's like, you know, the pain is going to be there, you know, contractions and all that is going to come. So why not be in the comfort of, you know, where your spirit is like just feeling comfortable in a place that you know. Um, I think that that also has a lot to do with how easy or easier labor can be and how much calmer and soothing it could be um, when you're in a space that, you know, mentally um, you're happy with too. Yes. Yes. Very much so. So you segued into it a little bit, but um, yeah, <laughs> tell us about your birth. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so <laughs> let's see. So I mean, when throughout that pregnancy, I had um, NSTs, so the the non-stress test, because my I had a younger brother who passed away because he had a heart condition. So they just wanted to monitor the baby's heart um, throughout my entire pregnancy. And literally on my due date, I went in from what was good, you know my last checkup. And I was getting um, the beautiful, beautiful Braxton Hicks, where you feel like you're going to have the baby. You feel like you're contracting. And no, it's not. It's just practice contractions, which are so much fun. I went in there, and they were um, looking at the baby's heart rate. And they noticed with the Braxton contractions, well, the Braxton Hicks part of me, that his heart rate was, like, accelerating and then decelerating, just up and down. So they were like, you know what? Today's your due date. We're just going to admit you to the hospital now because you keep, you know, these contractions are lasting longer than they need to be. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, safe, safety first, basically, is what they were going with. So they induced me. Um, I was there August 28th. Um, Rory was born August 30th. So the entire time I had, like, the Pitocin. Um, everything was fine until... The contractions uh, finally came, and I did not want epidural. I was like, you know what? If I couldn't have a water birth, um, then the the closest I can get to having, you know, this natural uh, birth is just to not have any epidural. And yeah, and then the contractions, and then the contractions came, and I felt I felt very weak uh, in those moments because I was expecting pain. But I just felt mentally I wasn't prepared because I was already anxious um, because they had to induce me. So my mind was really all over the place. I don't want to say that the hospital pressured me to get epidural, but I would also like to say they didn't, I don't want to say give me other options, but kind of like motivate me to go along with my birth plan. Now, by no means I want to blame them. But um, I think that that's also important, too, that they kind of, you know, they were like, well, listen, just do that for Doral Girl, because it looks like, <laughs> yeah. it looks like you're in some pain. And I really didn't, and, you know, it's hard to make decisions. My mother was there, and she just wants me to be healthy and and happy and okay. So she's just telling me, listen, whatever you want to do, that's what we can do. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do. My, I was not even... It was yeah. like a, an outer body experience. You know what I mean? Like, that's an outer body yep. experience for me. So I'm like, yes, let's just do it. I'm like crying. I'm like, let's just freaking just get, come on, let's just do it. Yeah. So once they gave me the, uh, the epidural, it was honestly um, the most happiest time um, of my life. It was a very euphoric experience. I felt so light and still kind of like out of body, but I did not feel the pain anymore. 
So I was I was happy. Um, then it was the fun time. It was finally uh, time to push. And fun thing, I pushed for two hours, a little over two hours uh, with Rory. And wow. because he was, yeah, yeah, that kid was, he was happily nested in my womb. He did not want to leave. <laughs> he down. So that wasn't the issue. However, he was sunny side up. So they were like, listen, we're going to let you push for the next 10 minutes. And at this point, I asked the doctor, I'm like, well, how long have I been pushing? And when he told me two hours, I literally almost fainted. It did not even, I can't even explain how it did not feel like two hours. I felt like I was pushing for like five minutes. I was so out of it. Pushing is hard. Pushing was really hard for me. I mean, he said I was doing a great job. But again, your mind is just, I'm thinking about, okay, I'm about to give birth to a baby. This is happening. I have to breathe. I have to put my chin here. What is about to happen? Is he here yet? What are we doing? And he just would not come out. So the doctor came to me. He said, listen, we're going to give you 10 more minutes. Um, and then we're going to have to do a C-section. So I was like, damn it. Did not. This is not going how I expected. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to keep pushing. Um, for, you know, two hours of pushing, you know, to be quite honest, you don't really care. You're like, okay you know what, it's cool, because I did 10 hours of, uh, two hours, it felt like then, two hours of this breathing and pushing, it's like, okay, fine, for me, it was like, let's, let's just do the C-section, because I just want to have my son here, and I'm starting to get nervous, because he's not yeah. coming, so I gave them the 10 more minutes of pushing, and, like, nothing, like, he, he did come down a little, like, my mom was like, I see his hair, and I was like, mom, I don't care, I don't care, if you see his hair, I just, I'm trying to push this baby out. So they ended up giving me, um, you know, doing the C-section. It was quick. It was nerve-wracking um, because my my confidence was just built on seeing, like, my mom and how she was reacting to everything. And she was just like, you know, cheer me on. You're doing great. When they told me I had to get a C-section, she, like, went into the next room and she was, like, crying. Like, she did not... Yeah want me to get a c-section so knowing that she was crying now i'm nervous now i'm like okay whoa wait a minute <laughs> maybe i maybe i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't do this and then yeah what other options do you have he's not coming out so they do the c-section um and everything was great right so they pulled the baby out i'm like kim k crying when she lost her earring just very ugly falling <laughs> my eyes out and oh MG, I got the shakes. I, like, even when I talk about it now, I get so upset because, you know, we have these ideas of um, this birth plan and how we want to have our child. And all I wanted was that moment where you deliver them right off the bed and you do the um, skin to skin. That's all I wanted. I just wanted my skin to skin. I wanted him to look me in my eyes, hear my voice. And it did not happened that way because after um they delivered him they were stitching me back up uh once they were done weighing him they were bringing him over to me I was literally shaking like I could not stop shaking and it's just one of the possible side effects from having a c-section I could not stop shaking so I couldn't even hold him um I had to wait until I got out of the um emergency room or the operating room and I went into like the recovery room and then I was able to um, hold him. But that really, out of everything, out of the whole, you know, not having um, 
a natural birth. The, the thing that really messed me up the most is that I wasn't able to hold him immediately. That was just something I didn't have. I didn't even think that I couldn't do. I wasn't able to see my placenta. Um, I really wanted to see it, maybe even keep it. I was like considering that as well. Um, I didn't get a chance. And these are things that you don't think about. This is why I tell moms that it's so important to have a doula because whatever happens, even if you end up going to the hospital and you have a baby, when your doula is there, your doula knows to check for those things. You know what I mean? My mom's worried yeah. about me and, and, and her grandson and making sure we're fine. But a doula would, you know, would have known, hey, I know she told me she wants the placenta. Let me see that bad boy. Or, you know, or yeah. obviously yeah. a doula couldn't stop me from shaking. But there was little things that meant a whole lot to me that even with all of my research and like planning, I didn't prepare for a plan C or a plan D where, okay, well, this happens and this happens. So I kind of had like a, a breakdown moment because I was like, he's not going to want to breastfeed now. He's not going to know who I am. And then once I actually, you know, finally got to hold him and nurse him, I was, I was better, but that was like my main reason of knowing going forward with any pregnancies um, I may have in the future that I definitely want a doula. You need to have someone there who is clear on what your intentions were for your birth plan, no matter how astray they may go. If there's little things in your plan, you know, someone to help you with that. For sure. For sure. Um, and I think, you know, something that um, when, when people are asked, like sometimes people will ask me like, well, I have uh, my aunt or my yeah. mom or all these other people yeah. who are there, like, why do I need a doula? And right. sometimes, like I definitely tell them all the benefits, but something else that I'd like remind families of is, mm-hmm. while we definitely build a relationship, like we definitely build a mm-hmm. relationship, we also are able though to kind of separate ourselves from the emotional piece. Um, yeah. I don't want to say like we don't get emotional. Like, yes, we are human, yeah. we're affected by those things. But because of That's the way right. our relationship is with clients, we're able to kind of like step outside of ourselves and be like, exactly. let's make sure that all of these things, like, yes, you had to go for a C-section and that affected right. your mom in a certain way. But like as your doula, we're able to be like, yes, right shifted i am concerned for you but i also need to check and make sure all of these things are covered too exactly Uh, exactly it's harder for family or people who have another type of relationship with you to be able to do that Um, absolutely they just want to know that you're okay they're not thinking about your placenta right (laughs) (laughs) exactly uh, my daughter just had her stomach slice exactly because i was like mom why didn't you tell us to get yeah. my placenta? She's like, Briar, you were shaking on a table. Yeah. Um, I was holding a literally like day old, not even baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> not thinking I, about your placenta. <laughs> and I think too, like, you know, we remind families like while we're there for the birthing parent, it's also nice to yeah. be able to have something for the other support people. So as a doula, yeah. like stepping in to explain to your mom, like, this the the shake the shaking is normal or you know yeah able to hold space for them as well um, right exactly but it is so it's it's interesting to like reflect back like like you said on how you can have this set plan and it shifts yeah and how that really like Quick. 
quick <laughs> and how important though it is to to have a plan b and c but also exactly be aware of what that plan b and c might look exactly. like exactly and someone who's there who has like a sound mind because you are going to freak out and then your loved ones family or friends who are there to support you are going to freak out as well because now you're freaking out so no one's really thinking clear because it's such a okay in like literally in two seconds, boom, this can happen. Like labor and delivery is such a quick thing. Like it's just constantly at any point, something can change and whatever you have planned can literally like out the window. So true. And we even sometimes will talk with our families because sometimes it can really be like a mindset type situation. Yeah. Instead of calling them like birth plans, calling them birth preferences, because in your mind, you're able to know like, okay, here are the things that I definitely like have a hard, this is what I want, this is what I want to envision. But like, yeah, for your mind to shift, like, but it may change. And that's okay. And I'm, and I think it's so smart to be intentional with what you call it because, yeah, to me, it was like a birth plan. It was written in stone. You could have like basically tattooed it on my forehead. Like, you couldn't tell me (laughs) that I was not going to like have my child natural, no epidural (laughs) within 30 minutes. No, not within 30 minutes. But like, you couldn't tell me like what I had on that plan. It was that was what was supposed to happen. And it yeah. never really occurred. I mean, my mom laughs. A lot of people will laugh at you when you do things as a first time mom. So throughout my journey of pregnancy, I'm a very extra um, kind of gal. So there was a lot of things people would like, you know, roll their eyes like, Brie, you're doing too much. So even when I told my mom, I came mom, I have this birth plan. She was like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not gonna. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, you, you said the same thing when I told you I was doing X, Y, and Z. So I just kind of like, tossed it to the side not really listening to the fact that duh like it could also not go anything (laughs) like how you have it written I don't know why it that didn't occur to me I was really just romanticizing the whole birthing process um and then when it got down to it (laughs) things took a turn yeah yeah so um I think like um because a lot of things shifted for you what did postpartum look like um, well, postpartum wasn't as bad as far as the C-section um, as I thought it would be. Um, I, like I said, a lot of help, um, a lot of support. So family um, over my house all the time, helping me with the baby because I couldn't really move too much. Um, like the first couple weeks, I had to really take it easy. Um, but I bounced back really quickly as far as the C-section. I don't know if it was because I do very well in the summer like the summers are like my best season I feel good I feel like energetic I have a lot of energy in me so I feel like the bounce back process um from having the c-section was good the mental part was hard the mental part was rough because um co-parenting was is diff- well it's getting better but it's been diff- it had been difficult at that point um, you try to process this like new family dynamic, um, and then the baby isn't sleeping because you're breastfeeding. So postpartum was really rough for me. Um, the first four, the first four weeks were um, the roughest. Like I would cry. All the, I mean, any time my family left, I was like bawling because I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? I'm here with this baby. Um, 
wasn't really happy with the father. So like his dad comes and I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I want my family right now. I yeah. just like, I just was not a nice person. Um, and I was just sad because I was just so confused. I realized that throughout my pregnancy, I really romanticized a lot of things. And sometimes when reality hits, it kind of hits hard. So yeah, I mean, you already go, you know, postpartum depression is real. And I, kind of, I had to deal with that. And that's um, where, you know, Melon and Mommy came from. I did research about postpartum depression just because I was doing research. I really didn't think it was something that would hit me because I was thinking to myself, like, okay, me and his dad, we're not together now. But he's in his life, so he has his dad, so I won't be upset about that. Um, I have family support, so it's not like I don't have anyone. Um, I have my own place, so I don't have to worry about, you know, I'm like checking mm-hmm. things off, but this won't happen to me, but sure, I'll read up on it. And and it happened. And I'm like, what is going, and I couldn't even make sense of it at the time. I just know I felt really sleep deprived. You yeah. feel sleep deprived, and then you, you know, you don't want anyone to have your baby so that you can get that sleep. At least that's how I was. I could have like had maybe two hours of sleep and a family member will come over or a friend. I'll hold Rory. You go to see them, okay. I'm gonna um I'm gonna just sit right here and we can all just be with Rory. When really I should have taken that sleep. Yeah. Little things like that that made the postpartum journey um way harder than it had to be. So physically I felt great. No pain. Mentally I felt defeated. Like I was probably at my lowest point. I didn't even know who I was anymore. So postpartum was was pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. And I think we also just don't know. We we aren't in a society that helps us recognize how important it is to accept help and just yeah. be okay with doing nothing. And yeah. so it's hard for us when people are like, okay, I got the baby. You're like, but yeah. I need to be around. <laughs> Right, like I can't go to sleep. I'm a <laughs> like, mom now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we <laughs> where we should be sleep. encouraging. I mean, we we're we're getting to a place where we are, but um, yeah. I think that there needs to be a large culture shift about like what postpartum, mm-hmm. what postpartum yes. should look like. What post sorry not what postpartum yes. should like what postpartum care should. Look yeah, like. no, seriously, I I totally agree because it makes all the difference from. Like now I have friends or I have this one girl in particular. I was like, go to sleep. Like you need, you need people. Cause to me, the way the shift, one way the shift could look is me saying, no, I'm going to stay here. And someone telling me, no, get your ass, go upstairs, go to sleep. Right. Somebody checking you. Say, exactly. Because, and again, not placing blame on anyone. I'm just, from my personal experience, the, it was kind of affirming to be like, okay, girl, like, okay, you know, stay here. It's kind of affirming, like, okay, you're, I don't need to go to sleep. Because <laughs> you're like, yeah, come on, stay. Like now, right. if, if I know someone has a kid and a, and a newborn at that, if you're tired, now all I can say is go ahead, take your butt to bed. And you, if you don't listen to me, I can't like force you. But I'm not going to affirm you not getting sleep. It's not healthy. It's not good for you. It's not good for the baby. And I think that that's how I ended up checking myself it's like okay at the end of the day i'm not going to sleep because i was just out partying all night i'm going to sleep because i'm literally taking care of a new life and i have to feed him with my body i need to go to sleep 
or he's not going to eat because my supply is going to drop. So once right. I was able to connect it, which is another cycle that I have to break with, you have to do things for you. But in the beginning of really taking some steps of like just going to sleep and just basic care of myself, I have to connect it to the baby. Like, okay, I have to do this because if I don't right. do this, then he can't. Right. And then I right. would, yeah. And then, you know, I'm, he's only right. 10 months. So I'm still in this whole like rediscovery, but I'm also in a place now where I'm not going to, I'm going to go to sleep because I'm tired. Rory can go to sleep too. I'm going to go to sleep because Briera is sleepy. Right. <laughs> not just because of the baby, because I'm an individual person and I need to take care of myself for me as well. Not just for my baby, but just because I care about myself right and it's it's like you know when they're in the womb we're we're so much more connected to how much like by mm. doing good to ourselves we do good for mm-hmm. them but once they're mm. out of the womb we forget about that connection like that's so real you, you yeah. cannot you cannot your milk supply d- depends on like you getting right. adequate sleep you nourishing yourself yeah. Thus, then yeah. you can nourish your, but your baby or like exactly. you being able to be a well-functioning parent makes you need to make sure that you're nourishing yourself the same way you nourish your children. Yes. Exactly. Easier said than done. I'm not trying, like, you yeah. know, I'm not preaching anyone. I'm in the same boat. I have to remind myself yeah. daily, but really being aware of that mm-hmm. connection. Um, exactly. So important. Exactly. It's one of those easier said than done, but it has to be done. So at this point, it's like, find yeah. your way to get it done. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, definitely a journey. Again, right. still something that I'm working right. on, but I'm being intentional about it and knowing that if there are times where I feel like I'm denying myself of something that I'm worthy of or that I deserve, I'm at least checking myself like, okay, Brittany, you know, good and well, you can, you can go to sleep. You can, like, I went to Atlanta in February from our birthday. So Rory was about like six, about six, seven months then. It felt good to just go out for the weekend. It felt good to just go out and to just enjoy myself and not feel riddled with guilt because it was for a weekend and he was with his dad and it's okay. We have other family members from past generations that will die on the hill of, you are a mom now, your life, it's done. Forget about it. You are to be with this baby 24-7. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Your birthday's coming up. I don't, I don't know what to say, girl. You be with your kid. And it does not have to, it doesn't have to be like that. And because right. of those generations pushing that thought on us because it was pushed on them, us breaking that, if you do feel, oh. you, at times you will feel guilt-ridden. Uh, but I feel great. I'm like, listen, I'm not out every weekend. I have that kid probably too much. Okay. So if I want to go <laughs> to Atlanta for the weekend, I, I'm going to do it. And I don't feel bad. I can literally the entire time too, because, you know, still miss them. But I'm like, I don't, I'm so tired of this. I talk to older moms who feel resentment to like, it's so real. They feel resentment to whether towards their kids because there was aspirations and dreams and things that they wanted to do that they felt like they could no longer do because now they have a kid. Now I'm not going to sit here and act like you can't, you, there's no shift mm-hmm. that you, mm-hmm. you have to reschedule. Mm-hmm. You have to work. There's a few workarounds, but I would never sit here and tell someone you can't do this or that because now you have a child. It's just not true. Yes. And it's, it's that, you know, evolving from 
our, our, ourselves. Um, yeah. And we just recently, um, you know, spoke to a guest about how, you know, you do have to let go of your old self, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you, you can't become something greater or do something different. Exactly. Um, exactly. And shift with your children. Um, yeah. And let them guide you into whatever like new thing that is. Like I started my dual yeah. career because of my, my, right. my daughter's. Let them inspire you. You know? Yeah. 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 I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So thinking about, you know, our children inspiring us, let's talk a little bit about Melon and Mommies. How did that, yeah. how did that start? And what is that, what, what, what um, work are you doing with that? Yes, my other baby. So right. when I, was, <laughs> I love, I love, I, I love Melon and Mommies so much. I've met so many incredible um, moms through this. So in June when I was pregnant, um, I was still pregnant at the time, like I said, typical crunchy first mom. I want to go to all the birthing classes and anything dealing with pregnancy and teaching me about this and that. So as many resources to different places, yoga, prenatal yoga, I want all of it. So my um, hospital, my doctor's office is in um, a more affluent suburban um, area um, in the greater area of uh, Philadelphia. So I was given a lot of resources and everyone was great to me. Um, I would go to these classes and I never saw anyone that looked like me. And at that time, it was crucial for me to be able to identify with another um, black woman, black or brown woman, um, just because I felt um, alone in my journey of becoming a mom only because I either have friends who have been moms or friends who were not moms at all. So I felt like, okay, I just need to find like one person that I can like kick it with, talk to. They were going through some of the same things, some of the same questions, and I just, I could not see it. So I was like, you know what, maybe I can start my own kind of community where I can connect moms and we can have this kind of place for one another. Because the next thing is, in urban communities, you don't even have resources to go to these classes. I was trying to find, I'm really big on supporting Black-owned businesses. So if there's any Black-owned business that I can uh, support, then I'm, I'm on it. So when it came to prenatal classes, um, birthing classes, I'm looking for classes in urban communities and also could not find any. So I wanted to bring together mothers so that we can handle this journey on our own. There were stories I wanted to tell that I honestly just did not feel comfortable talking to a Kathy that's a stay-at-home mom with like four boys and it's like the perfect life and I can't relate to it. Like I can't talk to you. <laughs> I just don't feel comfortable. I needed, <laughs> I just needed some representation and it feels, it feels uncomfortable. Another thing too, to go into this space without my child's father and feeling like I'm automatically being judged. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like a stereotype when they, yep. black people, yep. we, we know yep. that it's a spectrum. We know that if you see a mom and she's by herself, it doesn't necessarily mean that the father isn't in the picture. It just, maybe they're co-parenting, whatever. But I feel right. like the looks and just, I'm really good with like feeling energy, like not to get too woo-woo on here, but I can sense energy very well. And I just, yep. I didn't feel comfortable, you know, in a space where I needed to be the most calm and the most at peace. I didn't feel it in these spaces. And because I didn't really see one out there, I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to create one. I don't really know what, at that time, I didn't really know what my plan was. I just knew I wanted to be surrounded by more Black women that understand the journey of being a Black woman and carrying a child. And that's kind of how it started. And now it's really just manifesting into its own thing. I realized with this um, nonprofit, because I had one for, for young girls too, where I was really like business structure, like, okay, this is what we need to do, like really goal oriented. I have, I have goals that I've been affirming um, and setting intentions, but I've really just been letting this go. Like I just had a, um, a mama meet up at the beach um, last I Sunday. saw that and was super jealous. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to have so many. You don't even know. I'm going to have so many more events. It was just so I didn't have to set up like, okay, this is the itinerary. Cause I'm super, I'm an Aquarius. Like I am super detail oriented. Oh, like I, I feel told you. You about I'm an Aquarius too. So See, you okay. we on the same I'm page like, right now. <laughs> same page. I'm like with this event, I didn't have to do that. I'm like, get your kid. Come on. We're going to have guided meditation by the beach. I have wine. What, what are we doing? Let's just chill out. Let's just have a drink. And it felt so good to not have to be like, okay, how many people do I have coming? Okay. How I? Like there's no structure, of course, because it's an event, but it just felt, it just felt great. I was able to, which I'm starting back up. I did the um, diapers and depression. So I was on online um, project where I was just talking to moms from all over the country that were telling me about their story. Um, and how postpartum depression affected them. And then I also had them share what has helped them because it's really a conversation that we need to have more often just to, for one, spread awareness because there's so many people who don't even know what it is and that it's really a thing. And also to normalize it because you have moms who are going through postpartum in like the darkest, deepest ways and they feel terrible. And it's a terrible thing to have to go through, but it, it happens. Like it's literally just our bodies <laughs> adjusting in however way it seems fit. So I think that that was very eye-opening, connecting me um, to a lot of moms. So I've just been really letting go of the reins a little bit and just meditating on whatever idea, praying to God about it, and just and just see what happens. But I'm not like too pressed on like hitting certain numbers or deadlines. I'm really just meeting, even being on this podcast, this is from me wanting to put you on my resource list because I started a resource yes. list on the website. It's like, I don't even, I was once in a space where, okay, I'm starting this nonprofit. Okay. I need to do this by November and by this time. No, I'm not doing that. I'm like letting go. I'm meeting amazing women. I'm having a fun ass time with like other cool moms with cool kids. I'm having a blast. I'm like having an absolute blast right now. So yeah, it's really, it's really exciting. It's like, again, to be able to talk to people who understand you, it's a, it's just a great feeling. Yep. Yep. And that's what, I mean, that's part of our postpartum care. That's part of our parenthood journey. Finding um, the connections with people who understand what our families can and do look exactly. like exactly um exactly and how we parent our children um exactly and affirming the choices that we're making exactly because like you said you know when something's off you know that yes you know that yes. and you can feel it and it's real and if you're not in a position where you can make those connections with the people um who can shift that 
it can affect mm-hmm. you mentally, thus then affecting your postpartum. Right. And it's like the last thing you need is more stress. Parenting has been one of the most humbling, beautiful, difficult, <laughs> crazy, like mind blowing experiences that I have. I don't think I'll ever face anything that as, that's um, as complex as being a parent, quite honestly. And the reason why it's been such an easier process, even when I just talk about, I talked about co-parenting before, it's just because this community that I have been building where I feel comfortable to have these conversations. And then you have people within your community that will write you and say, hey, thank you so much for being transparent. Because I'm not, I'm normally not like that. If I'm dealing with something, I'm dealing with that on behind the scenes on the home front I'm painting a pretty picture because I'm just trying to be you know positive patty here but I think that I'm now in this space of just like maturity and honesty that like I have to own my situation in order to get through it and to process it properly and when you kind of cultivate this like loving community you've connected with these amazing women you start telling your stories now they're telling their stories and now they're owning their stories and then you just that just births more positive affirming women and like what's better than that i love when people can own their shit like completely good bad and different and yep. it feels good to know that you are a part of that it's just a it's a great feeling absolutely i mean it, it's when you it's the same thing of like you know, talking to people about like what to expect when you're a parent or pregnant and everyone does usually tell you like the main thing. Um, yeah. And I remember like, you know, with my, my pregnancy, like everyone wanting to tell me, Oh, it's going to hurt. And da 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 da. Yeah. But, like didn't tell me that there were also some really great parts about it. And I think yeah. that comes from us not always being real about our experiences yeah. or not having the yeah. real conversations about what's yeah. going on. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. It just has to be transparency across across the board because it's not, you know, it's not, you have a 14-month-old, Rory's 10 months, so you were just not too far where I, where I was. So you understand the, the transitioning yep. to <laughs> the nose now I'm getting and hitting. It's, I'm like, I still have moments where I'm like, okay, you were just an infant. But right. it just feels so good when you have, other people like if the fact that I can like hit up a mom like right now be like okay so we're just at this I'm about to snap like I feel like I'm losing my mind and then they can also be like yeah just went through that did this or like you can just it just feels good to have a community like to have a tribe of women who are just rooting for your success and likewise it's amazing yep oh so much goodness so much goodness else that you um want to share with listeners like resources advice anything else from your birth um of course gonna link melanin mommy so everyone can find you in the philadelphia area but is there anything else you want to leave our listeners yeah yeah so as far as resources i again connected with so many people so i would just say to go on my website um melaninmommies.org which will link um, I literally have a resource page just for that, including Doula Services, amazing podcast for mothers, um, <laughs> just great services. I even have party planning. I have people hitting me up for all crazy like kind of things that could be beneficial uh, for parents. So 
uh, definitely check that out. And if I could leave with some uh, last words, I would just say, if you're currently pregnant, just focus on your peace and your happiness and literally drop whatever is not serving you now more than ever. Practice that now. And you can pick it back up once you have the baby. And for everyone who has had their babies or, again, about to have a baby, just find your people. Find people who are for you. You're going to need, throughout your entire parenting journey, you're going to need that support. So it's uh, very important for you to hone in on that and just really tie in on it for sure. That is a perfect piece of advice. Perfect. Thanks. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Um, we are always, just thank you for excited. having me. Yes. We're always just so honored that people um, are willing to, to, to provide to the community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Anytime. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, evening. You too. <laughs> thank you. All right. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. There is no perfect pregnancy, birth, or parent, and yet we rarely hear the real stories. It's time we speak up. Mom, actress, and advocate Tatiana Ali hosts Unspoken Stories, a new podcast from March of Dimes featuring real stories from the joys of parenthood to what happens when things don't go according to plan. You can listen to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting unspokenstories.org. We see a lot of perfect images of pregnancy, birth, and parenting, but more and more people are standing up to tell their real stories. In this podcast, you will hear some of those real stories. From the joy of parenting and the complexities of dealing with illness with and mom, Jamie Lynn Sigler, a mom coping with loss and raising two toddlers, to the realities of parenting a baby born prematurely. These brave mom and dads have the courage to speak up and share their laughter, tears, and triumphs so that no one else has to feel alone in their experience. We hope you will join this important conversation. Whether you are a parent or considering becoming one, Subscribe to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts and learn more by visiting unspokenstories.org. That's unspokenstories.org.